VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Our teens need more support and encouragement than ever before. We need to show them that there are so many accomplishments in their lives that are just waiting to be discovered. This is the Dr. Stem Show with Dr. Stem Malatini. We want teens today to feel valued in their schools, homes, and in the community. The Dr. Stem Show will give the voiceless a voice and the hopeless hope. Now, here is Dr. Stem. Little patient, big doctor, one mother's journey. Good afternoon to all of you. Today we are joined by the author of Little Patient, Big Doctor. Her name is Hale Rabizade Resnick. Did I say that right? You said it right. It's so good to be here, doctor. (laughs) Welcome, welcome and good afternoon to you. Thank you so much. You're really good at that. It's hard to get my name, so thank you for getting it correct. I had to get it, you know, right away before I, I stumble on it, before I get more nervous about pronouncing it. I said, you know what, let me just start by going there and saying, you know, Hale Rabizade Resnick. So throughout the, show, <laughs> throughout the show, I will, she allowed me to call her Hale or I can call her uh, Miss Resnick. So I thank Absolutely. you for coming here with us today. As I said at the beginning of the show, she is the author of Little Patient, Big Doctor, One Mother's journey. The title of our segment today is How Not to Be a Helicopter Parent to an Allergic Child. We all love our children and we don't want to see anything happen to them. It's our parenting nature. It's who we are as parents. But when we know that our children have severe allergies or face bullying among peers, it's so easy to become what experts call a helicopter parent. The term refers to a parent who hovers overhead to ensure their child is safe. This behavior by the parent could be just as hindering to the kids as their allergies. It can also hurt your life as it consumes your every moment as a parent. Hale, a renowned parenting expert, has a child with severe allergies to foods. She's able to help parents first hand, you know, first hand deal with the strain of her own experiences. Hale will be discussing with us today as she has graciously allowed us to how to avoid being a helicopter parent by answering some of your questions, some of our questions, as well as sharing her experience. Again, welcome, Hale. Thank you so much. And you know what, with such a wealth of background, what I'll do is I'll give you a few minutes to just say a little bit about your biography of who you are so that our audiences understand how much of an expert you are in this. Oh, that's so nice of you. <laughs> um, well, I have, I, I have actually been working with children for over 20 years as a teacher, 
of many different levels. I've taught everyone from kindergarten through college age. So my my understanding of kids, you know, has has been lifelong. I also back, you know, back in my college days developed a lot of health and advocacy programs. So when it comes to dealing with health and health challenges, that's something that I have I, I have always worked on for the past 20 years, bringing programs even to area nursery schools and school systems on how to really bring health into our lives. Yes. Most recently, I'm an advisor and trainer in summer camps to help train counselors to deal with children, and I also speak with parents when they have issues that come up to help them handle what's going on with their kids. So, you know... I've been around the block a bit. I'll, I'll keep my I'll keep my own five kids out of it, but you know, <laughs> but it never hurts to actually have firsthand experience. You're right. You're right. And I don't know how many lawyers out there have had enough insight as much as you have had being a parent and you know having the courage to share it. It's true. It's a little bit of a mixed bag. You typically don't <laughs> see attorneys having this you know this kind of experience with children, but. You know, I I think that children are so extraordinarily important, and they're really the foundation of what our future, of our future. So, you know, the the law thing is nice; it's great. I'm, I'm glad to to've done it and be out there. But you know, children truly are they they are our future. You're right. You're right. You see, what what it also means to the audience that are listening in today is, it, it, it you know, it doesn't matter what your profession is. It doesn't matter what your background is, because you are bound to have a child who either has allergies or who is struggling with something, and you as a parent want to stand in for that child. And sometimes, as we described, it could be a hindrance on, you know, um, you being a parent, and sometimes for the child as well. It makes it difficult difficult for your child to be able to function while you are hovering over that term helicopter, you know, parent. Can you, you know, get in detail a little bit about it? Because we've heard a lot about it. And most parents, when I posted it on Facebook, were going, oh, my God, I get to understand what a helicopter parent is. What is a helicopter parent? Well, you know, helicopter parent is, is usually when a parent points to someone else and says, oh, that's not what I am. But the truth is you got to look at yourself. I think a lot of parents today are very protective of their children. And it's, you know, we, we have this sense that there's danger hovering everywhere. We don't let our kids out to play. We don't let them go to the playground on their own. And you know, it's something that easy to point out in others, but I, I want people to kind of look at their own behavior and see whether they recognize that in themselves. Are you the kind of parent if your child is going on a jungle gym, your heart is like in your throat and you can you can barely like look at the situation. So you're like right underneath holding your hand, you know, as this eight-year-old is trying to climb the jungle gym. <laughs> I think um, it's hard. It's hard for parents to look at themselves in that way. But we are in a society where we're increasingly seeing everything on 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 the internet, on media, anywhere, on phone and text about all kinds of dangers that happen and our natural inclination as parents is to try and control and be there with them. And we you know, we really can't do that all the time. But if you can recognize it in yourself, I think you've come a long way to having yourself not be a helicopter parent. And isn't it true that the children themselves will tell you, Mom, that's too much. You don't have to come to school. You don't have to do this. You don't have to be all over me all the time. Did you find that your son was doing that with you? 
Well, I think that children do tell you, but yes. sometimes what happens, unfortunately, is when we're so hovered around our children, we make them afraid of life, and that's really not what we want to do. We yes. want our children to have a love of life. Hello? Yes, I'm, I'm oh, here. I, I'm sorry. I, I thought... We, we want them to have a love of life and not be afraid of life. And unfortunately, what happens is sometimes kids can't even voice and tell us, oh, mom, this is too much. Because from the minute they were born, parents are so hovering around them that you'll see kids, I, I don't know whether you, we went to a birthday party once. It was unbelievable. This, this little boy got stung by a bee. Child wow. does not have a bee allergy or anything like that. But, yes. you know, a thing you expect a kid to, to cry for a minute and then move on for an hour and a half. Oh, my God, I got stung, and the parents are making a big production. Oh, my God, you got stung. You know, what are you talking? It's a bee. Move on. It's fine. But he was terrified, terrified. Yes. This kid was in second grade already. And I think what happens when we protect them so much, we yes. make them afraid. And sometimes you get the kids like, really demanding that their parents be around when they should have a certain level of independence that they don't. So that's, you know, that, the kids might ask you, but not always. Not always, you're right. And I'm wondering, as you're talking, how it must be for other professionals, because if that kid is so used to mom being there and jumping when a bee stings, what if it's, you know, they're stung with a bee on, you know, at the school grounds and the teachers don't jump right away or be there for an hour and a half to allow well, them to throw the tantrums? I wonder how that is for the staff. Well, I think sometimes uh, lately parents say they get a lot more calls home from, from school nurses because mm -hmm. the kids are, are overreacting to situations. I think that that is one of the things that are happening. And schools are spending a lot more time dealing with children and teaching them life lessons on, on how to handle scenarios and how to be kind with others and how to behave in situations because they haven't really learned to manage those relationships as parents have jumped in all the time to protect them, whether it's from social bullying or protect them from if it's an allergy, you, you can or can't eat this kind of food. So the children don't have the words to be able to socially navigate. So you are seeing in school systems a lot of character education and development to, to bring to the table what parents are, are not bringing in these days. You just spoke about, you know, what allergies, and I know the book that um, this show is based on, Little Patient, Big Doctor, is based on your son's story. What allergies does your son have, and uh, can you talk a little bit about allergies? Absolutely. When my son was born, pretty much in short order, we found out that he was allergic to, to, to nuts and eggs and most beans and chicken and beef and lamb and, you know, coconut and sesame. I could just go on and on, a very lengthy list. Yes. So the challenge was in making sure that I have a healthy child. And I didn't yes. want him defined by his allergies and I didn't want him to be limited by them in life. And it was, it was quite a trip because I had a situation where my kid was on formula up to age two, mm. and I'd gotten to a point where a doctor was telling me, look, we're going to have to do an endoscopy and put him under, and maybe he needs to have uh, formula fed directly into his stomach. And to me, this was just an unacceptable reality. Yes. I, I wanted yes. my child to experience and live life as, as I was, as I think most parents do when they have a child who has challenges of, some, of one sort or another. 
Mm-hmm. What I describe in the book is what I went through in dealing with the doctors, what I went through with my own kid, what I went through with other kids coming into my home. And <laughs> basically what, what my story is a success story. My son does still have allergies, but yes. he's a very healthy child. He doesn't have ADD and ADHD and emotional issues and problems and psychological issues that come with a child typically who has multiple allergies. I have a kid who loves life, wants to try new food, is is happy and excited and growing phenomenally well. So when I go and I speak to parents and speak to doctors in um, at different conferences, I talk about how extraordinarily important it is to develop our kids' emotional well-being, to as parents look at all kinds of health and alternate treatments to make sure that our kids are as strong as possible. Excellent. You know what? We're going to need to take a quick break. But when we come back from from the break, Halle is going to talk to us. We've been talking about a helicopter parent, and she's going to talk to us how this behavior of being a helicopter parent can impact your children. We will be right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. How much difficulty do you have getting your employees or your customers to listen to the solutions you can offer? This may be one of the great frustrations in business. It's time to excel. Dr. Stem now offers solutions with her Soft Skills Leadership Training Program and the Woman's Executive Leadership Training Program. To reserve your seat in one of her coaching sessions, purchase her books, or to book her services, email her at drstemmalatini at gmail.com or go to her website at www.drstem.org. Wealth Solutions for the 99% is a weekly talk show focused on helping you develop and execute a game plan to build wealth. Your host, Paul LaJoy, who built a $50 million-plus company in less than five years, believes it's impossible to be poor in America, and he'll show you why with his innovative strategies. Joining Paul as co-host is radio personality Kim Reed, an experienced entrepreneur and corporate leader who's known as the Corporatepreneur. The show is upbeat, fun, and informative. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmalatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are talking to the author of Little Patient, Big Doctor, A Mother's Journey, and uh, we have Halle with us in the house today, and she's talking about how not to be a helicopter parent to an allergic child. And Halle, before we go into the next segment where you'll be telling us how, how this being a helicopter parent for the parents can impact their children, can you tell us where people can buy this beautiful book of yours? 
Absolutely. You can get it. It's available anywhere online. You can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's absolutely, it's available on Kindle. So just go online to your favorite bookstore and you'll find Little Patient Big Doctor. Excellent. And you know what I liked about your book is it's so parent user-friendly. It's, but, it's very easy reads. You can just open one page and you want to know what to do with the next you know, chapter because it's such an easy read and it's so practical as well. So thank you for having done it that way. Oh, I'm so happy to do it. You know, I thought to myself, I'm writing for other parents. Who wants yes. to pick up, you know, a 500-page heavy book? I wanted yeah. it to be easy, accessible, funny, you know, wanted to pull you in. So it, I'm glad that it, it does that. It has all that and some more. So going um, ahead, we wanted to know what your suggestions are of how this behavior of being a, a helicopter parent can affect or impact their children. When parents hover over their children in that way, the damage that can be done is you take away that child's confidence in their ability to be independent. You create a child who is dependent on the parent because a, child, a kid thinks to themselves, I can't do this without my, my mom or my dad looking out for me. I can't take a risk. I might fail and do it wrong. I need my mom there. I need my dad there. And what that does is over time, kids become afraid of taking risks. Over yes. time, they learn that they just can't do this on their own. And it will, it's kind of like a snowball that rolls and rolls, and you, be, you end up in college unable to take your own courses. You end up in your 20s kind of having a tough time even going for your first job interview. And this is a little bit of what we're seeing with this present generation because you have parents who are so very involved and coming from a good place, wanting to provide everything for their children, but instead you have a child who, who can't be independent. That's the ultimate danger of being a helicopter parent. You're right. Now, in, in simpler terms, can we say that this is a typical description of a spoiled child? I think it's a little bit different than a spoiled child. It, it's it a little bit different. Right, because yeah. a helicopter parent might not give their kid every outfit that they want. They might not give their kid every single toy they want. What it is is that they're afraid that their kid can't do it on their own, so they want to help the kid climb up the steps. They want to help the kid get a, read their book and do their book report at school. They want to help the kid when they're afraid of something that's going on with their friends and they want to be right there with their friends and telling them what to do and what not to do. They'll call every single parent up to make sure that their child is, is safe. They'll call the school up to make sure that their kids are getting the right classes. But it's to such an extent that the kid can't develop independence. So it's a little bit different than being spoiled. Oh, that's good to know. And you know, as you were explaining it, I could hear the helicopter right in my ears. See that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see. It's good. Look, you, you, the situation, what's going on is a kid will do something in school, right? Yeah. They, let's say they get into a food fight in school. The helicopter parent will get on the phone with the school and say, I don't understand. Why is my kid getting detention? That's not fair. That's not right, you know? Oh, it's, but a child has to face repercussions on their own. And they yes. have to get, get through it, even if the punishment is fair or isn't fair. And that, it's a little bit different than being spoiled. They can, they can overlap, but not necessarily. 
Now I see, I see. Now you talked a little bit about um, experiencing risk for the children. So is it okay? Is, is a little risk okay for any child to experience? All right, I'm going to tell you something that I, I don't know how many parents out there are going to call me and say you're insane, <laughs> but I, I've said it before when I speak. Yes. I, you know what? I think sometimes safety comes second. And it's a tough thing to, to think that way because as parents, we want to protect our children. Yes. But sometimes safety comes second because our primary goal as parents is to raise children who are independent, yes. good, positive members of society. And if we are so concerned with their safety, we forget about developing that other part of them, which is being independent, capable, good human beings. So, Mm. you know, I'm not sure that's the motto that everybody would put on on the wall of their home, but safety comes second sometimes. You're right. You're right. You're right. And it's, it's interesting. I'm wondering if the parents themselves would have had parents that were helicopter parents and they grow up to be helicopter parents or it's something that's learned depending on what's going on with your child. I, I think it can be both. I think it could be something that, that's been passed down generationally. I yeah. also think that it naturally comes about when people are parts of smaller and smaller families when you yes. have 10 kids or a dozen kids, you can't be a helicopter parent even if you wanted to. It's just not yes. possible. They're pulling right. you in so many different directions. So I think that part of it is circumstances. Part of it is um, what happens with your child. If you do have a child, for example, who's allergic or facing some kind of medical uh, issue, it's hard, mm. it's hard not to because yes. you go to a doctor's office and they tell you your kid could die. That's just something no parent wants to hear. Mm. So you go into over mode and trying to protect the kid, but we, we can't have this God syndrome. We, we're, not, we're not God. We can't 100% be there for our children at all times. And it, it's, it's very, very tough to sit back and say, my primary goal is to have an independent child who's partaking in this world. But that's our goal as parents, not, not to just raise people, but to raise a certain type of person. Yes, yes, and risk will be part of it. And um, you know, parents life. will just have to understand that, that you know, sometimes they just have to take a step back and watch. Let me ask you something. Do you remember yeah. riding mm-hmm. your bike with the wind blowing through your hair? <laughs> Do you remember that feeling? Yes. Like that feeling like you were flying? Oh my God forbid your kid doesn't go out with a helmet, you know, doesn't have a helmet on his head these days. (laughs) We we try so hard in every way to protect our children that that sometimes we lose the fun of childhood. And you know what, I want to quote, you mentioned in the book, and I'm on page 54, for those of you that are listening and you have your books, your son's name is Ethan, right? Correct. Okay, and you said Ethan's allergies showed me on a daily basis what little control we have in this life. And I underlined that when I was reading your book, when I received it, what little control we have in this life. Do you think that being a helicopter you know, parent is about control so the parent can understand why do I do this? I, I do think it's, it is a lot about that. I think that we 
we think that we have control right now. We think that if, yeah. if we're sick, we can just go to the doctor and get a pill and fix it. If we're in a dangerous situation, we can create a circum. We can make homes to keep the rain from falling down on us. We can uh. put on clothes when we're warm. I mean, but as we have progressed as a human race, we've learned more and more to control our environment and control uh, the situation that we're in. But the reality is we, we don't have control. We, we really don't. I, I'm sure I, I'll give you a couple of examples that's happened in my life, and I bet every parent off the top of their head could think of at least a half a dozen. Yes. Have you ever been in that situation where you're, my, I had a kid on a table and he falls from the table two feet down? Nothing happened to him. Yeah. Ever yes. have a kid running with scissors in his hand, trips and falls, and nothing happens to him? Uh-huh. How about, uh-huh. have, you, have you run a red light and turned out safe on the other end? You know, there, there are so many dangers that, that go on in our life every day, yes. and yet we turn out fine from them. But we've protected ourselves so much from everything that we have a sense of being able to control and protect ourselves, and we just can't. We really can't. The, the mysteries of the universe are too big to unfold. You're and right. and I, I'll tell you, I think I was very, very lucky with Ethan. Most people, their child has, has one allergy. And when you have one allergy, you think mm. you can protect your child. I had a situation where I had, you know, 30 different allergies and sensitivities. That's mm. it. I, I can't. I, I, there's no way in, in, in my life I could have possibly protected him other than putting him actually in a bubble. And I refused to do that. I wanted him to live life and enjoy life. So I do. I do think it's about control. Yeah. And, and, you know, talking about control, I'm one of the trainers. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Susan Jeffers, the late Susan Jeffers, who wrote the book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Right. I'm, I'm, one, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm one of her trainers, uh, certified trainers. So I go around the world training people on um, feeling the fear and doing it anyway. But she had a quote that remind that I was reminded of when you said, we don't have control of what happens to us on a daily basis as much as we think we do. Her quote says, I choose the path of trust. I understand that I have little control in the external world but I do have control of my reactions to it all. Absolutely. Isn't that powerful? I, it's extremely powerful. And no, I, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I agree with it a hundred percent. When, when I wrote my book, I stepped back and, and I said, God, you know what? It's a, a statement of faith. It's a statement of faith of, of life and yes. just believing that you can survive. And I think it applies to anything, whether you're faced with allergies or whether you're faced with any other kind of medical condition. So when people read my book and I, and I speak on the topic, I, I have people approach me from all walks of life and all ages because it really is. It's a statement of faith of that you can survive in this world, whatever it is, whatever fear you're faced with, there is a way that you can walk through it. And there's a way of trusting life that everything is happening perfectly as it's supposed to happen. 
and that you will get the help that you need. You will see, see the treatments that you need and the peace that you seek will come. That is if you're seeking to have that peacefulness and that resolution in your life, which a lot of people, because of the stresses that they're going through um, in this world, in this day and age, especially in this United States of America, it's so much stress that little things that might happen will throw them off and you become a helicopter parent without you even realizing or recognizing it. That's why today we have the author of Little Patient, Big Doctor, One Mother's Journey, telling us and talking to us about how she has been able to manage her son's allergies as well as the things that happen in her son's life without being a hovering parent. That is Hale Rabizade Resnick. We will be right back. We're going to take another quick break. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. As a youth motivational speaker, author, and coach, Dr. Stem understands that in a world where today's youth and parents are jaded and disappointed by institutions and people they perceive as out of touch with the reality of their lives, motivation is a dose that is much needed. It's time to excel. Dr. Stem Malatini is a refreshing change from the typical speaker. Dr. Stem understands the pressures, heartaches, temptations, hopes, and dreams of the generation that is just now coming of age. Students listen in transfixed silence as she speaks with the Clarity and confidence of someone who has worked with teens, parents, and teachers for over 20 years. Her high-energy school assembly programs create a defining moment for schools and provide an experience students never forget. To reserve your seat in one of her coaching sessions, purchase her books, or to book her services, email her at drstemmalatini at gmail.com or go to her website at www.drstem.org. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmalatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hale, before we went on break, we were talking about uh, risks, and you did say to us that, you know what, uh, taking risks is very normal and should be allowed for children to experience. So my next question to you is the behavior of being a helicopter parent. Is this like common only with parents that have children with allergies or is it also common with children that have other, you know, illnesses, behaviors, and what other events can cause a parent to become a helicopter parent? I think it's common with anybody who has a child. How about that? Interesting. (laughs) I think it's a, and it comes from a number of different areas. One, I think it can happen when a parent has faced a trauma themselves mm-hmm. or they've become aware of some kind of danger and they yes. go into overdrive to protect, to protect their child. 
it can happen when a child is traumatized in some way, whether it's health or maybe it's bullying in school and, they're, and they're, they can't fit in in one way or another. Yes. And it can also happen not necessarily by trauma, but this fear in this hectic world of wanting your child to, to make it and succeed and, and be the best they can be, like that competitive zeal to make them be there. And underlying it all is fear, right? Fear that mm-hmm. your child is getting hurt, fear that your child can't succeed, and believing that they need your help to get there. And I, I think that's the number one thing. Are you operating from a place of fear or are you operating from a place of knowing that your kid can make it and you're just there to show them the way. I think that, that is one of the factors that you can kind of look into yourself and, and help define whether or not you're a helicopter parent. So now when, when Ethan was, was diagnosed with allergies, and this, is, this now is the social worker in me that you know, would be wondering, did you have, uh, from you know, your perspective, enough preparation, enough knowledge to know that, you know what, as a parent, this is the prognosis for my child, that my child is going to be okay or not okay, and how do I prepare myself for whatever happens? Because I think that's where the underlying fears come from parents as well, when they don't know or they don't have enough information or resources? I, I think, mm. you know, that, that's, that's a very interesting <laughs> question. Yeah. I think oftentimes Did, people think the more information you have, the, the better shape you're in, or the more resources you have, the better shape you're in. Uh-huh. And sure, information and resources can help you, but I think ultimately it's attitude. Because I, I've spoken, you know, when I go across the country, I've spoken to people from all different walks of life, with all different types of information levels, and it's the attitude that separates them. It's the, what do I want for my child? What kind of parent do I want to be? And those parents who have this, this faith, those parents who want their kids to, to be a part of life and enjoy life, those parents who don't have that fear guiding them are a completely different parent. So... Sometimes having access to information, having access to significant resources increases that fear factor. I mean, you would think it's the opposite, right? You would think if you have all the money in the world and all the information in the world, you'll figure out how to protect your kid and everything will be okay. But that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes those people are the most fearful because they're under this illusion that they can actually control their life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, that, that's true. But I also think that, you know, for you to have that kind of attitude that everything is going to be okay, that maybe I shouldn't be that, you know, much afraid and that much, you know, protective, sometimes I think, you know, it, it might be helpful to know. Whether, you know, or to talk, you know, to people like you, which I really liked, and that's why I like to bring you on the show, because then this, it proves that yes, your child will be okay. Yes, your child has chances of being okay, I might say. I'll tell you, you've got to align yourself with people who see the good in the world and who see something Thank you. positive. That, that is the most important thing. I, I've had people who That's walk it. into, you were diagnosed with cancer, and they walk into a doctor's office, and they tell them, this is going to be very horrible. You're going to have a very difficult couple of months ahead of you. You're going to have chemo. You're going to have radiation. Just prepare yourself for hell. Yes. And they're like, you know what, I don't want this doctor. You walk into yes. another doctor's office and they say, you know, same patient, eh, it's not a big deal, it's a blip in your life, we'll do what you need to do and you'll be fine and you'll get out. It's attitude. You're right, you're right. Now, now I, I like that way of explaining it. You're right, 
You're right. When it comes to that, if you look on the positive side, if you look on on, on the side where everything will be well, even for you as a parent, it's going to help your child as well not to be afraid. The truth is it aligns you with what it is that you want out of life for your child. So if you're always looking for the problems, if you're always looking for how difficult it is, you will find other people who reinforce that narrative. You will will continuously see that to reinforce what you're thinking and find additional proof for how horrible a situation this is. But if you try and find that window in the darkness, if you try and find the positive in it, if you try and align yourself with parents who are who are letting their kids do things that, that you would not do, who are letting their children experience life in a way, and, hey, look, oh, my God, the kids are fine, you know, you will become that parent as well. So that's, that, that's honestly why I wrote the book. I, I wrote the book to give people that inspiration, and I speak to give people that strength to be able to apply it into their own life. I, I like that. Well, 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 well said. And I'm thinking of teenagers, the parents that always said, "My teenager, you know, I don't, I don't even know what to do. I, I think I want to send them to boot camp or something because they're defiant. They don't listen, and they want to do what they want to do, and they use drugs." Do you think what you just said could apply to that? Where if if you're a parent and you're looking for that negativity from your teenager, that's exactly what they'll give you. I, I absolutely agree with you, and it's, I think when you're raising a teenager, it's hard to get, you know, lose the forest for the trees. You yeah. see a little problem, and you blow it up, and oh my God, these kids can be brutal to the parents when they're going through their teens. So, it it's a, you know, it, it really is a testament of faith, and <laughs> yes. really, you know, raising a teenager really is, and um, you have to make sure that you look at the positive and see your child in that light so that you can help guide them home. This doesn't mean, by the way, that you close a blind eye. If you have your child who is in, who's mixed up with the wrong crowd and doing drugs and all of that, you need to be proactive and help them out. You know, there are times when being a helicopter parent is good. There are times when being yes. that on top yes. of someone is a blessing to have a yes. parent who's that supportive, but at the right time in life when it's actually needed, not at every step a person takes. So, okay, so being a helicopter parent, then you could even be a helicopter parent to your own child by just hovering over them and insisting that something is when it's not or something is not when it is. That's correct. Absolutely. Yeah, because because you know, I, I mean, I have been doing this show now, and I've had different experts coming on, and we're talking about how to help the parents with the teenagers or helping the teenagers understand their parents. And I think you know this point that we're talking about today of being of not being a helicopter parent is going to be um, another step of helping yourself as a parent, or as well as helping your teenagers understand where you're coming from or where the teenagers are coming from, which is always interesting to me that sometimes it's just a matter of communication. You know, with teenagers, one of the most important things for parents to, to mm. recognize is that this is the point where, where they're trying to forge their own identity and be independent. Yes. And yes. you have a gift here with a teen. You have a gift of them being under your own roof while they're experiencing independence. Yes. Give them a couple more years and they're either out working or they're out in college and they're not under your roof. So you have these precious years when they are independent when they're trying to be independent making those mistakes and you're there to see them and watch them and back them every day it's 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 a gift that not everybody has had and 
not parents haven't necessarily had it throughout time. Kids would get married at 13, 14 and leave the home. Mm. Now, right? Now we have this mm. extended period into yes. early adulthood where kids are 18 years old and still living with us. And we're really blessed with it. It does mean that we see our kids make mistakes, but we need to allow them to do that and be their backup. You know, let me see. We have another three minutes before we go on break. Because what I wanted to do was, um, if you don't mind, real quick, you do have some pointers here for people who have uh, children that have either allergies. And as you heard Harley describe it, even if you have a child that has a handicap, we should say, or an illness, you know, that um, is of concern, she has some tips for you as far as um, communicating with your doctors or when you go to the doctors and you had that list on page 44 which I think would be very helpful for the parents to be able to do that way in advance before they get to see the doctor. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I have done talks going directly through the list of tips that you need to do. I would say, yes. you know, just in the two or three minutes that we have here right mm-hmm. now, think before you go into the doctors what yes. it is that you want to address. Write down your questions and bring them with you. And before you finish your doctor's visit, go down that list to make sure your questions were answered. Sometimes you can repeat to the doctor what you think the answer was to make sure you got it straight. The reason that's so important is you walk into the visit and you get carried away. The emotions of what's going on or the doctor is rushing you in and out. So by writing it down and knowing what you want to get out of the visit, you can go, you can go a very far distance. The other thing is I encourage everyone to ask this list of questions from the nurse who is there, from yes. any, any receptionist who walks in there, whoever it is, <laughs> ask the same questions over and over again. Sometimes the physician's assistant is able to explain something to you that the doctor can't. I mean, doctors yes. talk in mumbo-jumbo speak, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to, hear, to get what they're saying. And if you have a doctor who has an accent, it gets even harder, so... Make sure you get your questions answered. So that that's the top tip I always give to people. To and and yeah, and sometimes even vice versa. If you are the one as as a patient, as a mother who has the accent, the doctors might have a difficult time understanding you as well. So. I concur with you that writing the questions down sometimes, if they don't understand, just in case you might get frustrated with them asking you to repeat yourself, then write those questions down and be able to hand them a piece of paper that has the list of questions down. Uh, we're going to need to take another quick break before we come to our last segment. As I said earlier on, we do have the author of the book, Little Patient, Big Doctor, One Mother's Journey, and she's talking to us today about how not to be a helicopter parent to an allergic child. Hale Rabizade Resnick is in the house with us today. And once again, we will be right back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com The rise of women into society's most powerful leadership roles ranks among the most profound social transformations of recent decades. Leaders around the world realize that lifelong professional and personal developments are no longer an option. They are a necessity. 
It's time to excel. Dr. Stem is the personal and professional coach, trainer, and speaker who will take you from ordinary to extraordinary. To book one of her coaching sessions or services or purchase her books, email her at drstemmolatini at gmail.com or go to her website at www.drstem.org. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmolatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. It's been great. It's been a great conversation as we were talking with Holly, just having a candid a conversation about her experience in her journey, having to be a parent to uh, her son, Ethan, who has allergies. And as she said, it's good and bad to be a helicopter parent. So it's got its positive, but mostly I think sometimes it could be uh, a detriment to your child as well as to you as a parent. So Holly... One of the things that I think might be helpful for those listening in today or those that will be listening after the show is what are the signs that parents can look for in determining whether they are becoming or they already are helicopter parents? Okay. From a philosophical standpoint, are you operating from a place of fear? So ask yourself that as a parent. Then look to see what your behavior is. How often... Are you calling the schools? How often are you calling the teachers when something happens with your child? How often are you calling kids, parents, your friends' parents when something happens? Yes. If you're calling them once a week, I've got to tell you, you're in trouble. You've <laughs> got to let your child figure it out. Yes. I want you to ask yourself, when a situation happens with your child, do you say, oh, let me tell you what you should do? Do you say, oh, let me take care of this for you? Or you instead ask your child, well, what do you think you should do about it? What are some ideas that you have? And do you give your, do you arm your child with the ability to deal with a situation themselves, whether it's a bully in school or whether it's, you know, some kid giving them a food that they're allergic to or a teacher giving them something that they're allergic to. Don't get on the phone right away and say, hey, you should have given this to my child. Say to your child, I want you to tell the teacher that this is something you cannot eat. And you have to teach your child to speak in that way. And it doesn't have to be at allergies. It could be any kind of health challenge, whether, yes. you know, if, if you have a, a child who's handicapped in some way and needs a yeah. ramp to go up somewhere, if you have a kid who can't see the blackboard, ask mm-hmm. the teacher to move you up to the front. A kid who can't hear, tell the teacher this is what you can't do. Give your child the first chance and the first position to go and talk to the teacher. That's, 
And, and then afterwards, you can send the email and check with the teacher, but only after you've given your child the opportunity. So the, these are some, some tips that you can mod, you know, look at your own behavior and see whether you're giving the child that option or whether you're, you're stepping in yourself. I like that. And I think in addition to that, if I might add, is if you're constantly as a parent getting into arguments with your child, you know, and there are two sides of what you want done because you as a parent want it done a certain way or expecting it done in a certain way and the child is doing, is saying it, no, I don't want to do it that way or that's not right or I don't want you there, then sometimes that could be an indication that you are hovering too much. You're being, you know, you're putting your hand in their business, as they say, a little bit too much. So to step back and watch or make yourself available sometimes will prevent you from becoming that helicopter parent. No, that's that true. You Look, yeah. I, I, I ask parents, you know, ask, you know, God or whatever you believe in, wherever yes. you are, the source, yes. what you want to say, yes. to grant you the wisdom to be able to recognize what yes. special gifts your child has, because yes. that, that's how that kid needs to develop. And you can mold yes. them, but you can't completely hover them and shape them 100% into what you want. So right. it's really more that you have a gift of a child who has their own abilities and skills and talents, and you have to let them be who they are. You're right. And also talking about you know, what we talk, spoke about earlier on Halle when we said when you think about the positive outcomes, the positive side of things, then positive will flow to you. So if you're a parent who's going through these challenges and you allow yourself to understand that the teachers that are on your side, the community people that will be working with your child are on your side to help you be able to um, empower, inspire, and raise your child as a solid, independent um, young person, as Holly mentioned earlier on, then that's a positive approach to it. You won't be jumping at them that much. You won't be questioning them that much because then you sit and watch. You'll be close by but not into everything that they try to do to help you or to help your child in my Correct in that. You're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. And, and I, when I speak, I also say that it's so important to be open-minded yes. in your approach yes. when you have a situation with your child and even with your own health to, to say, listen, there, there is an outcome here that can work, and my job is to find it. And when you hone in too much and you try and control too much, you typically focus in on one way and one method of dealing with a challenge. But yes. when you keep your mind open to all kinds of possibilities, you can really provide your child with, with health, so both emotionally and physically. If you say, I, look, my job is to treat my, my whole child. I want them to have emotional happiness and spiritual happiness. I want them to be a healthy child, whether it's in nutritionally and physically. And when you look at your child as a whole like that, then you stop micromanaging their every single move. Exactly, exactly. And you know what, talking about open-minded, Halle, you mentioned on page 83 some navigating possibilities which are nuggets or tips for parents on um, treatment for their loved one who is struggling with allergies or, as we say, any other illnesses or um, mental health problems that they might have. Can you tell us a little bit about some of those possibilities that you were talking about? Absolutely. 
Look, I'm one of these people. I love my antibiotics. <laughs> I, I'm 100% for medicine and doctors. Love them, love them, love them, you know? It, Give yes. me a pill to make my headache go away. I'm not necessarily against it. Mm. But on the other hand, it's very, very important to kind of keep our mind open about, you know, what's known as alternative, these alternative medicines. Really, alternative medicine is a way of saying we haven't tested it to death and we don't know 100% whether it works. But the truth is, in this world of alternative medicine, very, very often you find your health. It's, yes. And sometimes it's because you're addressing a spiritual issue that's going on or an emotional issue because all the physical problems we have in our body, it's a reflection of something that's not working for us as a whole. It's not necessary. You know, very often can you say, oh, okay, my arm hurts because it actually got physically cut off. You know, that's mm. what's going on. That's why it hurts there. Most often we're dealing with something chemically that's gone wrong in our body, and that chemical is in reaction to us not feeling well emotionally or spiritually. And when we keep our, our minds open to these alternative treatments, then we'll try things that we never would have in the past. Look, we now have insurance companies covering acupuncture, Yes. chiropractic treatment, 20 years ago, people laughed at them. They said yes. they were quacks, you know. So keep your mind open to all these alternative remedies. It's the window of opportunity that's there that may work for your child. And this applies in every avenue, whether it's an educational issue going on with your child, a social issue. Keep your mind open to something that you weren't raised with. Keep your mind open to something that... Not everyone in town is doing, because that could very well be the thing that works for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, one of the things that usually works, actually that works for parents, is having a support group. And I think a lot of people are staying away from support groups because of work, because of the responsibilities that they have. But if you have a group of people from your church, from your job, from the community that you know that might, you know, gain or uh, benefit from having Halle as your guest speaker, you've heard it throughout the show. She was talking about when I speak, when I go in and, and do, um, you know, retreats, seminars, she is a speaker. So you do, um, you can book her as one of your guest speakers, which I will ask her in a minute to tell us how you can book her. But I think it would be beneficial to have this kind of talk in a group format where she can start the groundworks of the conversation and how you can benefit, support each other and and then you can continue on as a community and, you know, to support each other after she's been there to talk to you as a group or as a seminar for you. Holly, how can they get in touch with you? You can go to my website, littlepatientbigdoctor.com. It's all spelled right out, littlepatientbigdoctor.com. Mm -hmm. And my contact information and everything is on there. If you are on Facebook, you could, again, go through a little patient big doctor or even look yes. myself up, Holly. Rappy says it, but um, little patient, big doctor. Just type it in. You'll find me. I'm all over, and I will very happily become, come out there. You, you are right. Finding that group of people who are on yes. your mind frame, that, that is certainly key. Halle, it's been great having you as a guest today. Thank you. It's been very Thank you so you much. <laughs> Thank you so much. And for all of you out there, don't forget you can get her book, which is, as I said, very user-friendly, Little Patient, Big Doctor, One Mother's Journey. 
reach us again next week. We have another interesting, inspiring, motivating, and empowering guest for you right here on the Dr. Stem Show. Until next week, have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Stem Show. Please join us next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and 9 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another enlightening show. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.